I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Leah Simone Bowen. This is Podcast Playlist. This week, we're sharing one of our favorite episodes from February. The song you're hearing is called Stillness by Rishi Keish Hirway. He's a musician and the creator and host of Song Exploder. It's a podcast where musicians take apart their songs piece by piece and tell the story of how they were made. Rishi Keish has sat down with artists across all genres, from Madonna to The Roots to Yo-Yo Ma. And today, he'll sit down with me to share a few of his favorite podcasts. He joins me now from Los Angeles. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So being a musician yourself, what inspired you to create a podcast around interviewing other musicians? So I started making music, you know, when I was in high school, but I started recording music after college. And it was really that part of my life that I think directly inspired Song Exploder, because suddenly I had to figure out all the ways to get the thing that was inside my head into some kind of recorded form. And as I got into it more, I started getting excited about, you know, using using different instruments and using different kinds of recording techniques. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was excited about it. And I really got interested in the way other people might approach the kind of problem solving that I needed to do. And one of the things that I started doing also in my career is I started making remixes for other artists and they'd send me their songs broken down, you know, track by track. So I'd have the different elements to play with and hearing somebody else's song in that way always felt so exciting. Cause I was like, wow, that's what's happening in this song. So song exploder kind of came out of a, a few different impulses that were all related to my career as a musician, which was being able to talk about the different choices that you made while making a song in terms of both the writing of it and also the re- realizing that writing in a recorded format And also just getting the chance to be able to play people the isolated stems from the song, just to be able to hear, you know, everything else get stripped away and and hear the kind of thought and care and beauty in those individual parts that usually you don't get to hear in the final version. You've now had some of the biggest names out there on the show, but the show also introduces us to newer artists. And so I find it a great way to discover new music. How do you decide which artists to feature on the show? Well, I'm always looking for a great story, most of all. And I find a great story can come from anywhere. Sometimes what makes a story great is a song that's really, really famous. You know, I wrote this song and oddly enough, it's been the most well-known from this movie that it was in, Twilight. Have I found you? Fly last bird. 
or by an artist who's really, really famous. Waiting for your call, baby, night and day. I'm fed up. I'm tired of waiting on you. All the music that Stuart and I worked on, for the most part, happened in his attic recording studio in London. It was sort of a completely illegally built studio in the flat that I had. You had to climb up a ladder to get to it, and it was all white, and it had a couch, a white couch in it that I would often have nervous breakdowns on. Sometimes the song is interesting because the perspective that it presents is one that people might not have heard before. The bridge? I love it that it's like this build-up. Listen up, listen up, listen up. Voices scatter, listen up, listen up. But it's also kind of building a revolution. Listen up, listen up. I do actually try and have a pretty wide range of music. And my feeling is a great story can come from anywhere. And that's what I'm most interested in is a a great story. But there's also this kind of unwritten thesis of Song Exploder, which is that kind of every song potentially has uh, the merit to be discussed in this kind of way. And I kind of like, you know, if someone comes to the show and they find they, they listen to a few episodes and they like it and they subscribe, that I might have the chance to present a song to them by an artist that they don't know at all or a, an artist that they think they know. This is the best case scenario for me. An artist they think they know or a song where they think they know what the story is and then they hear it and the episode changes their perspective on the song, on the artist, and maybe on the idea of you know, things they might have given short shrift otherwise. And I'm certainly guilty of that. There are plenty of songs that I'll listen to and I'll just sort of make a surface judgment of like, oh, that's not really, that's not my taste, that's not for me. But when you hear the story of how it got made and you hear the the artists sort of giving their their own perspective and experience on what went into the song, I think it draws you in in a way that's sometimes unexpected and you end up feeling something different about the song than you would if you were just to hear it kind of in a vacuum. I definitely think that's true. I've had that experience many times listening to your show. And I'm just wondering if it's changed how you listen to music and how you create it as well. It's definitely changed the way that I listen to music. I think that I've become much more open-minded because now I can't help but listen to songs with one foot in the world of Song Exploder. You know, I still have my own kind of knee-jerk reactions and my, my, my taste, but there's a big pause that comes now, you know, where I might have made a judgment about a song or, or kind of dismissed it or something like that. I, I listen to other music in a new way because I have to appreciate that someone else might get something out of it. And also I start to think about like, well, what are the choices that the artist made to get to this place? So it's definitely changed my music. I think I, I now listen to a much wider variety of music than I, I did before I started the podcast. And the second part of your question, I've definitely been influenced by making the show in terms of how I make music now. I mean, there are, there are sort of life philosophy lessons that I really, um, subscribe to from things that artists have have said on the show and there are also very specific little techniques either about songwriting or production that have also made their way into my brain and I can't 
help but think of. In a moment, we're going to listen to a clip from the show. And this comes from the episode where you speak with singer-songwriter Monica Martin and producer Cushy about their song, Go Easy Kid. And I understand that you really connected with this episode. Why was that? Well, this is one of those moments where uh, philosophy really resonated with me. Uh, Monica talks about the sort of the refrain of the song, the title of the song, Go Easy Kid. The full line is, Go Easy Kid, It's Only Rock and Roll. And part of the reason why I wanted to do this episode for the show was because I just, I loved that chorus so much. I, 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 her voice is amazing, but also those lyrics um, really penetrated some kind of anxiety that I was feeling about my own music and, and the kind of, you know, the, the stakes of making art and um, trying to do this thing that you love in a professionalized way and how much it kind of hurts your heart <laughs> to put things out in the world. And yet, you know, it's supposed to be this fun thing. It's music is something I started doing because I loved it. I just, it was just fun. And, uh, and hearing her say, go easy kid. It's only rock and roll. I felt like she was speaking directly to me and I wanted to talk to her, somebody who I had never met before to hear what was going through her mind and what was going on in her life to write this thing that felt like it was so directly applicable to my own experience. Well, let's listen to that now. Here's Song Exploder. I met Cushy at a James Bay show. Me and my friend Amma were there together and he's a very striking man. And as he was walking ahead of me, an arm reached out and grabbed his arm and a voice said, Sorry, sir, you're the most handsome person I've ever seen. And they started chatting, and for a while I felt a bit, like, left out, because I thought, oh, God, they're just into each other. So I, like, shuffled off in a bit of a huff to get some beers, and eventually thought, no, no, I should try and partake in this social event, and then just quickly realised that Monica was just a very incredible, hilarious, inspiring person. We meet about three months before the pandemic. And then we actually were in a relationship with each other for a while, and now we're friends. We're just, like, best friends, platonic partners for life but yeah it took a few months of just hanging out before we actually decided to make something I remember being in the back of an uber late at night in LA and just saying to her oh I could produce your album I was like I think you'd do a beautiful job for go easy kid would you want to do it the world it was in there from the beginning when we first started on the track a friend of hers had sent the chords on MIDI to us. We got the MIDI piano from Matteo Roberts. So I just pulled the notes around just to make the voicings flow nicely. I like the way the wording just padded out the piano and it has this subtle kind of wobble underneath the piano. So the song starts, I commit myself to sabotage, see I can get what I want, then I make it hard to hold on. I commit myself to sabotage, see I can get what I want, then I make it hard to hold on. Because we just like to get in our own way. It's that self-fulfilling prophecy thing. It's like, oh, I don't want to do this and mess up. And then you don't do the thing at all which is a version of messing up. Convince myself that I'm without a God. 
spiritual fraud who got lost in her own sad song. I wanted to just kind of have a almost literal representation of that with her voice kind of getting lost in this swamp. So that's a piano put through a plugin called Portal. That helped make that piano sound like it's just kind of disintegrating or floating off. And then you get Monica's vocal effect on the lyric, I'm just a spiritual fraud who got lost in her own sad song. And I felt like the slowing down, pitching down thing kind of like partly echoes the meaning of the lyric. A spiritual fraud who got lost in her own sad song. In the first chorus, I'm just picturing so many nights I've had at this particular spot, the Caribou in Madison, Wisconsin. It's beautiful. It's a small bar, amber lighting. There's a laundromat next to it. People go smoke in the back or just hang out. And there was the dumpsters back there. We were talking out back by the garbage cans about dreams that we had. In the it's just really literal. Like, man, remember remember this, that, and the other? Oh, we were going to do this and fell through and missing the mark, I suppose. Yeah, missing the mark. Missing the mark Laughing in the dark Cause after all, no one's in control Go easy, kid only rock and roll. I wanted to have it feel like a really familiar idiom. I have one friend who, when anything totally messed up happens, she's like, it's showbiz, baby. But there's something very freeing about embodying, like, I'm such an insignificant piece in this, this universe. So that's a little mantra. Go easy, kid. It's only rock and roll. From PRX and Radiotopia, that was Song Exploder. It's hosted by Rishi Keish Hirway. In that episode, he was joined by singer-songwriter Monica Martin and producer Kushi as they broke down the song Go Easy Kid. Today, Rishi Keish joins me on Podcast Playlist. told my producer, Kelsey Cueva, that all the shows you chose today are ones that bring you joy. <laughs> and um, after looking at your choices, I get it because many of the shows you've chosen today are my favorite podcast. We have very similar tastes. Um, <laughs> so I'd like to get into that now. And the first one is a very classic podcast, Everything is Alive. What is it about this show that makes you happy? Everything about the show makes me happy. <laughs> the idea is that the host, Ian Chillog, interviews inanimate objects. And it's in the execution that makes it so incredible, like so much better than just that idea because the inanimate objects, w which are all voiced by people 
who are inhabiting the sort of interior life of a particular instance of that object. It's not like he he's interviewing, you know, all lampposts. He's interviewing this particular lamppost on this particular street. And so it really does feel like an interview show where someone's giving their kind of intimate feelings and experiences, but they're so funny and they're so poignant. And the fact that, you know, someone can give the perspective of a rental car or a pair of socks or a Sharpie and and actually make me feel like that's poignant. I, I think it, it feels like a magic trick. All right. In this clip, we're going to meet a set of bagpipes named Atsuko. I've, uh, I've read that some bagpipes are made from synthetic materials and some are made, you know, in the old way from animal skins. Um, what are you? Can I ask what you're made from? Yeah, I'm not a very, you know, I, I have some years in me, but I'm not centuries old. So, yeah, I've just been synthetic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you like being synthetic, I guess? You know, as times change, it does feel kind of good to be on the side of change, right? Yeah. Instead of being made by animal parts. I'm vegan friendly. Is most of the music you play... Um... Is it mostly happy music or sad music? What's, what is your, what does your person like to do the most? You know what's wild, is, with bagpipes with us. You really can't tell. You think it's a happy song, but it's also a sad song at the same time. They get intertwined. You know, it's really you really can't tell. But I can maybe see in the emotions of my person and their face, what they're trying to emote. But I really cannot tell if it's supposed to be a sad or happy time. Yeah. I have to look into the eyes of the people around me to know, oh, this is a sad occasion or this is a happy occasion. Yeah. Even your, your happiest um, tones, there's always melancholy. It's all, it's all mixed together with you. Yes. It's always like, I think someone died. Or maybe we won a war. I don't know. But I guess someone always dies in a war. Yeah. That, so it's a little up. bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I think like, you know, I'm rarely 100% happy or 100% sad. You know, it might be good music for humans because it does describe our existence. Yeah, that's true. And you can kind of project onto us what you're feeling. Because we'll play the way we play, and then you you tell me if it's sad or happy. Well, I think one thing about you, too, and this may be why people tell you to quiet down sometimes, you do make people feel, you know? You have no choice, even if you don't know what the feeling is, you have no choice but to feel something when a bagpipe is playing. Thank you. Yeah. I agree. We do make you feel annoyed, happy, sad, mad. But I always think any feeling is better than no feeling. Do you ever have no feeling? I guess I've never thought of that. No, I'm always feeling something. Um... I don't know if this is a feeling, but wanting to play, wanting to always get played. 
Do you mean you're when you're not being played, you're always thinking about, you know, you want to be played? Or it's more like, I want to be played always. Like, forever. Like, m- one long song. Yeah, constant playing mode. For billions and billions of years. I'm saying humans are gone, okay? The world is dying again. There's no more stars. Dinosaurs are back. Like, I'm still playing. Just one long bagpipe note. One long bagpipe note. Sure, give it to me. I'll do that. Yeah. Then I never have to wonder, when's the next time I'm going to play? You said earlier no one has ever said to you, what did you say? No one's ever not heard you. Right, right. I think about, like, what it would be like to go through your whole life and, you know, to always be heard but to never be able to not be heard when you didn't want to. Right. To never whisper. Yeah. Because in a way, if you're always heard, you're also not heard. (laughs) I mean, it's easier to tune you out if you're just the constant noise or something. Uh It's like, well, I'll just tune back in whenever I want. They'll still be there talking (laughs) kind of thing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Maybe people tend to lean in closer if you're a quiet talker and really try to pay attention to what you have to say, you know. I mean, if you want, now that we're talking, mm-hmm. do you want to try and whisper? Do you want to see what that's like? Okay. And what, what I would say? I mean, if you oh, want to gosh. say a secret, you can. Okay. Sometimes I do wish I was made out of animal material. Why? I, I don't know why, but I feel compelled to whisper back. Yeah. Why do you, Why do you wish you were made out of animal material? I just want to know what it feels like to be part goat. Or cow, I think. Also cow. Or cow. Or cat. What did you say? that podcast i also really love sal i think it's the season four finale sal the pair the sock who has lost his mate okay i have to check that one out i've okay my favorite is the stool i can't remember what the stool's name is but it made me cry (laughs) oh my god the chainsaw made me cry (laughs) ash gondelman as the chainsaw i saw it live and there's a part where the chainsaw talks about never having gotten a hug yeah it's profound it's weirdly profound it's such a so unique yeah from prx and radiotopia that was everything is alive it's hosted by ian chillog who produces the show along with jennifer mills the set of bagpipes was played by comedian atsuko okatsuka So next on your list, you chose a fictional series called Hello from the Magic Tavern. Can you explain what this particular show is about? Uh, This is a show, again, with an incredible premise. Um, Yes. The host 
Arnie Niekamp fell through a magical interdimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago and landed in a magical world called Foon. And he has set up shop in this tavern that's near enough to the portal that he can still get a little bit of Wi-Fi from the Burger King. And from that Wi-Fi, he's able to record and upload a podcast that he makes uh, with the people who come into the tavern and talk to him and his two co-hosts. His co-hosts are uh, Chunt, the magical shape-shifting talking badger, and Usador, the blue wizard. And, I mean, why do you like this show? It's it's so (laughs) wild. What is it that connects you to this particular story? I am... um, a big fan of all fantasy things uh, or most fantasy things. I think that's a, uh, <laughs> I think that's too big of a category to say I'm a fan <laughs> of all, all fantasy things, but I, you know, I grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons and loving Lord of the Rings. It's just ingrained in me. And the fact that these guys have taken that kind of core material and turned it into a hilarious improvised show in that setting just blows my mind it feels like a show that was made for me hmm. and and you've actually been a guest on the show we're gonna listen to a clip where you play a box and so i'm just wondering <laughs> what was that like to improvise with them um it was a dream come true before we started recording and then the instant we started recording it was a nightmare of anxiety of like having to try and keep up with these guys who are so funny and stay in character and stick to my bit uh which i pitched to them i was really intimidated but really so happy to to get to be a part of it okay so let's listen now to this clip arnie is joined by his friends usador and as we mentioned chunt the talking badger (laughs) and chunt has recently gone on a date with a fox who gifted him a mysterious box let's take a listen all right, let me just ah, get it out here and put it on the table. Isn't this neat? Let, oh, let me take it out of the cloth here. Unfold. Looks like there's a little lid. Can can you open it? Uh, you know what? I didn't think to try. I just thought to preserve it as it was because mm. it's uh, you know a token of Holly Fox's appreciation for me. Oh, it, it, it says on the lid, Gene. Hello. What? Whoa. Was that you, Arnie? No. I think it came from the box. Gene. Hello. Whoa, it's a hello box. Arnie, it's a hello box. Hello? Hello? No, no, that's... that's Hello. Gene. Hello. Wait, what if we say, if we shorten that name that we just said, do you think he'll say hi? G... No. No. Gene. Hello. How can I help you? Oh. Oh. We had to just say Gene seven or eight times. That's the secret. Hello, how can I help you? Oh, you have to pester this box. Um, uh, Arnie, uh, oh, oh, Gene. Um, Hello, how can I help you? Uh, I am Chunt. Uh, uh, Gene? Hello, how can I help you? Uh, 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 Can you tell us how to defeat evil in all its forms? Hold on. Oh, I'm looking that up. <gasps> He's looking it up, so he has the resources. He must have a tome or something in there. That, could, this could take forever. Gene, how long is it going to take you to look this up? Approximately two more seconds. Oh, okay. okay. That's good. According to my research, to defeat evil, 
you must be able to recite all forms of salsa and all its ingredients at any time. Happy winter solstice, Gene. Um, Gene, uh, Gene. Hello. Are you, hello. I feel like I'm being rude if I don't respond. Uh, Gene, are, hello. Are hello. you, hello. Are you, um. I am young. Are you the box speaking or are, are you inside the box? Do you need us to let you out? How can I help you? Oh, Gene, hello. Um, hello. I want to know, hello. Gene, are you, can I, oh, I'm sorry. Gene, how hello? can you help us? I am a magical assistant. I can help you with whatever you like. I can retrieve information for you. I can tell you facts about food. I can tell you anything you'd like to know. Gene, tell us a joke. Knock, knock. Oh, he needs to get out. Okay. How no, 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 this? no. How do we no, open no, no, this? No, 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 no. Arnie, now's not the time for jokes. No, no, He's trapped. I think this is how the joke works. This man is trapped. Who's there? Well, it's Gene. Hello. Oh. Hello who? That didn't work. Okay, so this is a great... First of all, we all agree this is my box, right? Sure. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Cool. Now, okay, maybe... But I gotta say, even though so far, Jinda hasn't done anything useful... Hello. And I, I kind of, like, actively... Are you being rude? ...don't want to have one, there's a part of me that's like, maybe I need one of these. Okay, how do I... Uh, Gene, hello. Hello. Can you, can you pair with me? This is Chant speaking. I just need you to recognize that I am, um, I'm in possession of, of this little, of, of, not you, but of this, um, this box, I guess? I understand. Oh. Hello, Chunt. Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay, let me, uh, uh, box for the next, uh, 45 minutes, pair with Arnie and Yusufu. Oh. Just so we can all have some fun. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Thank you, Chant, for sharing uh, your box with us. Oh, wait, I called it box. Uh, I'm being rude. Uh, Gene. Hello. Hello. For the next 45 minutes, pair with Arnie and Yusudo. Sure thing. Oh, so polite about it. Gene, can you play any music or anything? Sure. What would you like to hear? Oh, I'd love to hear a song. But you don't necessarily have to do the whole song. Maybe you can break a song down into its component parts. Sort of, if you want, talk about the inspiration for each part of that song. Which song would you like to hear? Arnie, don't make it explode. You're going to ask it for any song? <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to be a song exploder. Um, what song? What song? Um, how about, well, the classic. How about Seven Dragons and a Baby? Just a minute while I look that up. Here it is. Seven Dragons and a Lady. Oh, wait. Oh, oh I think oh. you misheard me. Wait, hold on. This song is this song rocks. rocks. <laughs> this is a better version of the song. <laughs> They're trying to get Gene, my character, to play the theme song for Hello from the Magic Tavern. But uh, in true sort of smart assistant fashion, I misheard what they said and I played them something else instead. And they created a remix, like different alternate version of their theme song just for that little moment. There's so much work that they put into just little dumb jokes like that. And uh, it's really, it's really incredible. Like, again, they support the hilarious premise and dialogue with really incredible sound design. That was the independent podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. It's produced by Arnie Meekamp, Matt Young, and Adel Rafai. Arnie plays himself, Usador is played by Matt Young, Chunt is played by Adel Rafai, and Gene the Mysterious Talking Box was played by Rishi K. Shirway.
I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. So the next podcast uh, that you chose is is definitely one of my personal faves. You picked the classic How Did This Get Made, hosted by Paul Shear, Jason Manzukis, and June Diane Raphael. Why did you choose this one? <laughs> so during the pandemic, um, my wife and I, you know, we had to just work out at home. Um, and so we suddenly had to be subject to one another's kind of uh, tendencies that we might normally not see. Um, and I would do, I would do my, my workouts, you know, she would listen to very hard hitting hip hop. That's what she works out to. Um, and for me, I would put on, how did this get made? <laughs> <laughs> and she would just look at me. She's like, how do you work out to this? And I, I told her, I was like, well, I hate exercise. I just hate doing it but at least if i can be having a good time while <laughs> while i'm having to do it then i can get through it and and the the three of them were my way through it for for so long i just i find them all so funny in whatever tv show or movie i see them in and all three of them together it feels like a little bit of a supergroup my personal favorite episodes of the show are all the ones where they cover the fast and the furious franchise because the premise of how did this get made is the three of them talking about movies that are so bad. It's not like how did this get made the way Song Exploder is like, mm, tell me how this got made. It's how did this get made? You know, like they have a level of shock um, uh, and awe and maybe disgust at uh, some of the movies that they cover. But with Fast and the Furious, they feel about those movies the way that I do, which is that they are both ridiculous and sometimes cringe-inducing, and also awesome. Well, let's take a listen now. In this clip, the hosts are joined by actor Adam Scott to discuss the Fast and Furious movie F9. I love that this writer, uh, Dan Casey, who is new to the franchise, uh, Chris Morgan had written all of them, but Tokyo Drift, I believe, or number two, uh, he comes in and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to get this movie going. And I actually think just diving in was the way to go because then there's a lot of meta in this movie. And it's more. I mean, there's, there's a so lot. much meta. Basically, Tyrese's character, Roman, is a meta. His entire yeah, yeah. character is to serve as a meta textual commentator on the movies. He keeps saying, hey, has anybody noticed? Like, we keep getting into these crazy adventures. I was shot 14 times just now, yeah. and none of us can die. Like, is, is <laughs> does this seem weird to anybody? Like, he, they're leaning into the criticisms that the movie 
gets that the movie has turned a story about street racers who used to steal TV um, DVD combination players into like people who like are the Avengers essentially and are like yeah. using cars in ways that are superhero level, you know, like they're God level people. They cannot die or be hurt at all. And Tyrese comments on that throughout the movie. And I thought it was hilarious. Well, they had to because of where they I end do. up going <laughs> at the end of the movie, which okay. I could not. And we called we should, that. We, we called, called that, that years, years ago. ago. We did. Yes. And I think I we did. did. Oh, that you that very well may have. I, sure. I yeah, don't June. know if anyone wants to check the tapes. Check no. the check tapes, tapes, but I think we can but all probably say sure June called me. it. But here's the thing about the space sequence. I have to say I was a little disappointed. Oh. What? Okay. okay. <laughs> they drive I, a car in space. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is so car-based that even when they go to space, they drive a car. And they outfit that car to be like like a Back to the Future DeLorean, like they like they hit buttons and the car's like, psh, yes, and he hits the gas to go forward yes, in yes. space. They have a Nas, <laughs> they have a Nas tank in space. Like a big what? But here's what Nas didn't happen. Tank. They didn't have a race in space. Oh, I see. Yes, that's uh, okay. true. And true. that's what the space I was race. You wanted it to be the space race. I wanted space. a space race. Okay, and I, I wanted a sense of like action up there, yeah. you know, yeah. and out there. It wasn't I, enough that they drove yeah. through a satellite and then <laughs> without knowing how or where drove to the International Space Station. And again, got, drove a car me, there. But again, I am as the author of the original yes. source material, mm -hmm. like I have, you know, of course I'm going to be disappointed when I see it realized on screen. So it wasn't for me, it wasn't oh. exactly what I thought it was going to be. Amazing. You wanted like a woman in a space bikini floating out in space <laughs> going like that exactly. and like the car starting the, and, oh. like, exactly. like Dom we found a race of aliens that love to race <laughs> and that would have been the end like them by the way if if Fast 10 is the space race, I'm on board. Oh, oh I'm in. 100%. I mean, I'm on board. It didn't feel like there was a sense of urgency out there. <laughs> what are you well, talking about? They literally were like, we're four seconds away from complete destruction. You have to do it. Uh, I don't know. And I, I did want one of them. I did want one of them to have to get out of the car and do a spacewalk. Oh, yes. I, me it too. was yes. calling for a spacewalk. Yeah. There's no way those space. There's no way that the car, their suits or anything can withstand the pressures of space. There's no. just absolutely no way. By the way, they popped no. out of that car at the yes. end when you see them at the space station. Like they, like as if they rolled down the window and was like, "Hey, we're, like, hey they're can on. we come on?" <laughs> they are. They're the movie. This movie, I will say, was does for me. I will say one of the things. The, one of the things that this, having now watched them all, one of the things that this franchise does so smartly is it. It's always course correcting. And this one, they were like, oh, no, we know what these yeah. movies are. We have to not only yes. recognize it and comment on it through Tyrese's kind of meta commentary, but also lean into how silly these movies are this and is, let them be silly. This is know? my point. This is what I, I know. I took a lot of flack online about this when because I think a lot of people think that Hobbs and Shaw was too silly and too whatever. But Hobbs and Shaw set a template that I feel like this movie embraced and kind of brought it back because I felt like Fast 8 was a little too serious and I yes. don't feel like Justin Lin makes 
all these sequences fun and big and they're stupid in the best ways. Like in like, it's like magnets. Great, let's do a this This movie was basically underwritten by Big Magnet. Like they're almost <laughs> yeah. every set piece utilized. <laughs> they basically find, for anybody who hasn't seen the movie and is listening to this, they find a bunch in the early scene, they find a bunch of incredibly powerful magnets and almost <laughs> every set piece for the rest of the movie utilizes those magnets somehow. And it does not get old. No, no. it doesn't. And oh. magnets that are basically like gravity level yes. like um yeah. like more yeah. than gravity more than gravity they, they more are than like, gravity. like, like yeah. a like black they can, can pull, pull they can pull orbit. a car through a building and they can also yes. push it off with equal force so like they have a yes. dial in every car and it's like i turn it to eight and it sucks in cars i turn it to one and it shoots the car off into like 20 feet the other way it's like <laughs> 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 the magnet it, has it a lot great. of force it was Awesome. And and we first see the magnet in use in the best possible sequence, which is Dom's brother, who we've never really met. And I'm glad that the characters also call that out, too. But he drives off a mountain and then into oh my God. <laughs> into a magnet plane. It was amazing. From Earwolf, that was How Did This Get Made? It's hosted by Paul Shear, June Diane Raphael, and Jason Manzukas. Their production team is Cody Fisher, Molly Reynolds, Avril Haley, Nate Kiley, and Devin Tory Bryant. In that clip, they were joined by Adam Scott. We're going to pivot in tone here a little bit because the next one you chose is really, really thoughtful. Uh, You chose the podcast Interesting People Reading Poetry. What did you like about this series? Well, I thought that maybe it shouldn't all be uh, nonstop chuckles for for this one. (laughs) And I should give you one, um, you know, (laughs) one show that's really closer in spirit, I think, to some of the instincts that made me want to start Song Exploder. Um, This is an interview show about people and a poem that they love. I really love a specific concept, if that hasn't already been clear um, from the shows that I've chosen and the show that I make. I really like a very tight conceptual premise for a show. And here they interview a person specifically around their experience with one poem, and they have them read the poem as well. But the show is Again, this is, I feel like, a recurring theme. The show's execution exceeds the concept and makes it something fantastic. The sound design, the music, the presentation of the whole thing is really beautiful. And I think you kind of need to approach a show like that in that way. If you're going to make a podcast about poetry, you need to somehow capture in audio the kind of feeling that you get from reading poetry on the page. You specifically mentioned the episode featuring Green Chatton, the frontman of the band Fontaine's DC. What was it about that one that stuck with you? Green Chatton uh, from Fontaine's DC is a great vocalist, like incredibly charismatic front person. But his speaking voice, which is a little different than the voice that he uses in, in the band, is unbelievable. It's just so beautiful to listen to. I think that he has a really, yeah, just a beautiful voice and the Irish accent makes it even better for me. And 
in this episode, he reads um, a poem by Gerard Manley Hopkins, and it's basically music. Like the 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 poem is so gorgeous, and then to hear it in his his voice in Grant Chatton's voice, um, the wind over is is the name of the poem. It's just uh, amazing. I I I could I want to sort of live in that world. I kind of want to just swim in that water uh, all the time. Okay, let's take a listen. Here's interesting people reading poetry with Green Chatton. The Wind Hover by Gerard Manley Hopkins. Dedicated to Christ our Lord. I caught this morning, morning's minion, kingdom of daylight's dolphin, dappled dawn drawn falcon in his riding of the rolling level underneath him steady air and striding high there how he rung upon the rein of a wimpling wing in his ecstasy then off off forth on swing as a skate's heel sweeps smooth on a bow bend the hurl and gliding rebuffed the big wind my heart in hiding stirred for a bird the achieve of the mastery of the thing brute beauty and valor and act oh air pride plume here buckle and the fire that breaks from thee then a billion times told lovelier more dangerous oh my chevalier no wonder of it Sheer plod makes plough down cillian shine, and blue bleak embers, ah my dear, fall, gall themselves, and gash gold vermilion. I was introduced to uh, to Jared Manley Hopkins through a, uh, a an incredibly eccentric uh, English teacher. I was in uh, I was in transition year, which uh, which is the fourth year that you spend in the school, and it's essentially the year where um, there are no exams 
um, it's 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 a kind of leisurely year, and it's I, th- I think it's it's used and, and directed towards students who feel I think a little bit lost and need, need an extra bit of time to uh, to discover themselves and try out new things. It's full of extracurricular activities, um, and we had this uh, this this English teacher for this one year, and he was he was a bald man all over, but for this long kind of spindly white ponytail sticking out the back of his head. And his name was Mr. O'Sullivan. And looking back on it, and I suppose to an extent I did appreciate it then, he was kind of the English teacher of dreams in that he was eccentric, uh, anarchic, and uh, absolutely disinterested in the curriculum. So yeah, so Mr. O'Sullivan, um, I think I think I, I might have just asked him the very sort of basic question of who his favourite poet was. And he's, he's a man from Cork, and he said, The greatest poet of all time, Green, is Gerard Manley Hopkins. You know, I, I, think, I think the reason that this poem appeals to me so much, or part of the reason is because because I, I I don't know what it does to me exactly. Do you know what I mean? That there's a there there's a spiritual aspect to it. Obviously, with the with the dedication um, to Christ our Lord, something something about that just seems so obviously pious, but kind of austere and direct, and I suppose incredibly sure of itself. I think to come across a poet who is um, who is intensely religious, Jared Miley Hopkins was a priest. There, there's there's a kind of there's a sureness you know whereas a lot of poets uh, I mean th- I think most poets that there there is there there is a sort of finding finding oneself in the writing of the poem and I suppose there is still that with Jared Manley Hopkins but to, to kind of know exactly where the poem is going who it's for and what its function is I think most importantly is unusual to me um, and essentially the, the poem is is it's a prayer it's a prayer, but it's on it's it's kind of on the poet's own terms. Um, it's a prayer, just of simple appreciation. It's uh, it's it's an appraisal of the of of this bird, which I think is a kestrel, um, and its ability to um, to hover in the air with minimum effort. And the way he writes about it is is that the the bird has this mastery over the air. He compares it to to how a human would pull on the reins of a horse and it's just to, to me what's so profound about it is that he sees his ability to understand, comprehend and I suppose the word would be to, to love this phenomenon made by you know, his his lord Christ, he he believes his appreciation of that to be uh, the ultimate form of prayer and uh, I, I find that incredibly touching and, and, and also I think it awakens within me some kind of uh, romantic half desire to 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 learn more about about religion and uh, and God um although probably not to any serious extent. As a skate's heel sweeps smooth on a bow bend the hurl and gliding rebuffed the big wind my heart in hiding, stirred for a bird, the achieve of, the mastery of, the thing. 
That was Interesting People Reading Poetry. It's an independent podcast, and the show is created by brothers Brendan and Andy Sturmer. Well, we're coming to the end of our time today, but before I let you go, along with Song Exploder, you've worked on so many podcasts. You co-hosted a rewatch podcast, The West Wing Weekly. It was really at the forefront of the rewatch podcast genre, which are now huge. And you also co-hosted Home Cooking, which was a hit during the pandemic. Those are just a couple of the many shows. What has it been like to explore your other interests in the podcast space? It's been great. I, I think the reason why I keep wanting to make more podcasts is because it is a medium that allows for it, if that makes sense. I, I think uh, if you have an idea that you're excited by, a podcast is just kind of a, a blank canvas to to explore that. And for me personally, as a musician um, who already had a microphone and, you know, Pro Tools on my computer, making a podcast was something that felt like within my within my reach. And I love the idea that that I can kind of take these tools that I have and the interests that I have and try and make something that hopefully other people might be interested in. I made a real conscious effort in Song Exploder to erase myself from the show. You know, I, I don't have my questions in there. It's really supposed to be about presenting somebody else's story. But Home Cooking and The West Wing Weekly were both shows that allowed me to be in the show. Even though I was kind of uncomfortable with the idea, it was kind of what the solution needed for the for the problem that, that I was trying to solve. And part of the reason why I wanted to make them also was because I started to fall in love with the kind of shows that we've been listening to. And that kind of feeling of just hanging out with your friend as they have a great conversation. Uh, I, I didn't know that that was the kind of podcast that I could ever make, um, but I, I've really enjoyed it. And, and now I think um, that's all I listen to because I, I just want to have that kind of joy. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time with us today. I've really, really enjoyed chatting with you and getting to hear some of your favorite podcast picks. Oh, thank you for having me. I've listened to so many episodes of Podcast Playlist, so it's, it's an honor to be on the show. Thank you so much. That was Rishi Keish Hereway. He's a musician, a creator and host of Song Exploder, and producer and co-host of various other podcasts. You can find all his work wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to hear more from any of the shows we played today, you can head over to cbc.ca slash podcast playlist. Podcast playlist is Kelsey Cueva, Oliver Thompson, Lauren Donnelly, and Trevor Carter. Our senior producer is Kate Evans. Our executive producer is Cecil Fernandez. I'm Leah Simone Bowen. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.